Hey hey, we're your hosts. I'm Charlotte. And I'm Jonathan. And we believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give to yourself is the gift of wholeness through integrating all aspects of what it means to be human. And in this podcast, we're bringing you insight, information, and inspiration to move from a stressful to stress-free life. Your journey to become an even healthier and happier starts right now. Welcome to Wellness Theory, the podcast. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in today. Today I'm delighted to introduce you to Freddie Pullen. Freddie is the co-founder of Studio New, an award-winning interior design company that specializes in holistic design to create ultimate luxury through what they've uh, coined the invisible aesthetic. So I'm really excited to have this conversation and share it with you all because I've never met somebody that's so motivated and passionate about transforming our environments to support our overall wellness as human beings. So Freddie, big hello and welcome to the show. Hello, thank you very much for having me. It's so good to have you here. Obviously, that's an English accent we are detecting, obviously, as the listeners are hearing you, but you're actually based in Dubai, is that right? Yes, we are. So, yeah, we're from originally from Bath in the UK in the southwest, um, 100 miles west of, of London. And we've been in Dubai for six months. Yeah, just over six months, actually. So uh, it's pretty new to us. Uh, but yeah, we're absolutely loving the lifestyle. It's quite different to, to uh, the winter that we would have had. Yeah, just a bit, just a bit. So a lot of our listeners will be from the UAE as well. So Freddie is a newbie. So if you've got any tips for him of where he needs to go, what he needs to see, or always new in Dubai, then um, drop him a message because I'm sure you're going to love the conversation we have today as well. So Freddie, obviously I've given you a bit of a brief intro there, but do you want to go ahead and let our listeners know a little bit of your background and perhaps why we're sitting here having this conversation today? Of course, I'd love to, um, you know, what we talk about really is, is interior design, but what I'm very, very um, big on, I like to, to force home is that I'm not an interior designer. My background is in uh, uh, FTSE 100 companies, merger and acquisition, you know, bringing a big company into, an, into a bigger company. Um, and what happens really when, I was, when we're looking at that is, you know, if you're gonna bring 5,000 people from one company into another company, my, my, my point of view is always, if you can get half of those people to be happy within the first one to three months, you're going to be far more successful than if you can get 100% to be happy in nine to 12 months. You know, people is always uh, my, my sort of my passion. And I think Richard Branson said it best, but he said, if you look after the people, they'll look after this, right? So, so we talk about interior design, um, but actually what we're talking about is our own bespoke concept. Um, we call it the Keeler concept. It's effectively minimalism. Um, so, so through our own research, you know, we've got a lot of research and, and, uh, and stuff on our website because we like to work with psychologists and and universities to really prove what we're talking about. We don't want to just have that fluff. We're really interested in the actual uh, science behind what is basically interior design, you know, but uh, for us it's minimalism. So what we do is we look at a space and we try and understand, especially in the corporate world, how a space will impact people. Because overall, you know, we know that your environment dictates your performance. And, you know, in the, in the UAE, corporate wellness is something that is on the up. It's something that we know is our mission to fix or to at least help with. Um, and we believe it starts with your environment. And so through what we do, we help people reduce their stress, increase their productivity, and hopefully decrease uh, employee attrition in these businesses in Dubai. So that's, that's how we got here. Um, you know, my fiance is an award-winning interior designer. So what we've done is we've combined my uh, business knowledge, you know, masters in economics with her uh, amazing creativity to come together and say let's build our own philosophy based on you know proven aspects of minimalism of feng shui of uh vastu and of uh you know lagum lifestyle 
to really solve solve a problem. Oh, there's so much I love about that. And I'm sure our listeners were thinking when I was introducing you, interior design, because like we've never had anybody on here talking about this. You know, we, we've touched on many different things over the years that this podcast has been going. But interior design is something that's always fascinated me. It's not necessarily a passion of mine, um, but it is something that has such a huge effect on well-being. And I think it's often overlooked, which is why I think it's so important that we kind of dive into this topic today. So uh, the the other thing I really really love actually is what you said there is like it's not just about you know the, the fluffiness and making things look nice very much there is a lot of data and a lot of kind of science to back up and support the claims that you're making that you can actually make work environments happier and healthier even like in a short space of time as well it's interesting there was um some signal research that came out last year that asked people um like how likely they were to quit their jobs and uh, like in the next 12 months you probably saw it somewhere along the line and 50 percent of them said that they were planning to quit but the interesting thing is they actually then went back a year later and asked to really understand like did they actually follow through and the answer was absolutely yes so four out of five of those people actually left their work environment so what we're seeing now is not people just threatening to leave which was the case when there was you know um like different generations coming into the workplace we've got different options now as to more companies to work for we've got more freedom more flexibility you know and we're really considering lifestyle and and like health after the pandemic so i'm really curious to know where what it is you do is fitting into that kind of statistic why do you feel like people are leaving their environments and is the physical space that much of a factor Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that, that research is really important. And just going back to last year, I think it was January last year, the US stats for people leaving. People In January last year, so 2022, 4 million more people left their job than the previous year. And it just shows the curve. That's obviously old data now, but it will have continued because what we're seeing is, like you say, people are actually following through because, you know, corporate wellness has inherently been a tick box exercise. People know they need to do it. They tick the box. You know, we did something but they do not do the meaningful stuff. So when we come into a business, we start with an interview. You know, they're like, here's our office. I'm like, we're like, okay, I want to talk to you. So what's your management style? You know, using Kanban, using Agile, Waterfall. What are you using? How are you doing this? What does your team do? What are your actual missions? What's your value? What's your vision for the future? Because if that's not aligned with what we do, which is, you know, putting employees first, because inherently that will then help the business, we're not interested in working with you. You have to have that that core vision to already make a difference because, you know, it's so easy to become a tick box exercise in this world. And to bring it back to, you know, the environment, it's so important. It's so important. You know, I've been in businesses where we've brought people across um, into, into the business that we were running and, you know, they come into your corporate structure, they come into your corporate governance, your corporate culture, and you can have the best corporate culture in the world. And you really should really think about your corporate culture. It's incredibly important um, to get help there. But you must have the environment first. I genuinely believe that. And, you know, people will argue with that because it's chicken and egg, right? If you have the corporate culture, then you build the office or, you know, whatever workspace it is. That's a great way of doing it. But if you have the office first, which is really set up for your vision, you're going to attract better talent. They're going to stay longer and they're actually going to work harder because they know they're on the mission. They're in a physical environment which shows the intent to what you have. And, uh, yeah, for me, it's it's hugely important. 
it's so important for those things to be aligned as well. It's interesting. I was coaching a client recently and, and he traveled to um, Italy to deliver a pitch. Um, I obviously won't share the name of the company, um, but he had this expectation of what it was going to be like to walk into their offices. It was a, like a brand that he's been wearing since he was, he was a kid that he was going to do this really important pitch for. And when I spoke to him afterwards, it was like, it was an absolute like opposite of what he was expecting. It was almost like a basement and it just did not reflect their brand at all. And he, even as a um, kind of outsider coming into the business is really already bought into the business. Like he's a lifer, he's in there. He was really like really surprised and you could feel the energy shift from what the expectation was versus then what was then being delivered and the kind of um, conversations that happened. So that's just a very fresh example of a client we're working with now that's just, just literally been talking to us about environment. So how how does an individual that's working for a company that feels like their bosses are just doing a tick box exercise, how do they start to maybe think about their environment and what could work better in their current environment? Or when should they be considering adapting that environment if they have the autonomy to? Just like how you run a business, you know, monthly or quarterly, you do things like stress tests, you know, impress tests. We always say, do an audit. Make it, make sure that you know, if your company's not doing it for you, do an audit yourself of your desk. You know, I'm, I'm stood here. I, I like to use a standing desk. I've learned over time that I like it to be completely clear. I like to use a standing desk. I like to have a larger screen and better lighting. That is, that is me because I've done audits over time to go take that away, add that. What do I need? You can do exactly the same. And actually, office managers and senior management in corporates should be doing that for you. But you know, if you take the lead, it, it won't be long before people understand what the need is in a business. And actually, you know, if you are an employee of a, of a business, you, you have a voice. You can ask for things. You can show your intent. And as long as the company has that mission and the values towards you know, improving the wellness and actually looking after the people, and they are passionate about that, um, it will come together. On the other side, you know, if if they are showing no intent to do that and they are they are happy with their rate of churn, if people are just leaving, they replace them, you know, that's when I'd be like, okay, is it time for me to look elsewhere? Because that's there is a point where you have to have your self-value high enough to say, actually, um, you know, money for me is not the driving factor, my wellness is. And actually, I think post-COVID, that is a massive reason why people are leaving their jobs. You know, we know that. Um, but in the same vein, the office is coming back. So people want the better lifestyle. They want more of a work-life balance or work-life harmony. And part of that was working from home. And actually, I think now companies, sometimes some companies are happy to have you work from home, some are not. Actually, people need human interaction. So we actually see from our research, a lot of people actually would like to go back to the office. And this is where the office becomes, you know, ever powerful. You know, and I hate the word office. It's work environment, isn't it? It's a workspace. It's not an office. That sounds so, you know, 80s. There is so much power in human interaction to drive productivity and to drive wellness and happiness in the workspace. And it all comes from a combination of things from the environment. There is. And I, I can agree with that. I think there's a few different camps, though, right? You've got the camp of people that are just can't wait. They're chomping at the bit to get back into that work environment. Yeah. But then there's the others, right? Because there's a big thing from speaking to a lot of people since we've moved back to the UAE in the last literally two months. 
there's this divide between the people that want to go back and can't wait and then the others that are quite happy just staying at home and going into the office if they have to and that's where I think a lot of um, companies are starting to struggle is to to bridge in that gap there's like this pendulum that's happening as well that we're seeing where if we are only working from home people are uh, generally over time starting to burn out become a bit more chronically stressed because they need that interaction but they're not inclined to go get it and then we've got the other extreme where people are straight back into the office almost wishing they was having this kind of hybrid life or at least like working from home somewhat and they're then going the same direction in terms of burnout chronic stress again but there's got to be some middle ground I think and there's got to be some synergy between the individual's needs and the company's needs but I think the environment is the gateway is it not to be able to create that I completely agree um you know an environment has so much power because of what it can do for for someone so like you say if it's if it's you know looking back at even the UAE to be honest when they used to have um you know box cubicles people are working people would come from you know the UK or US used to these modern offices and they'd come here or vice versa because of the you know whatever period of time it is and they'd be like this is not this is not me it's not how i work and actually it can instill stress in people stress doesn't necessarily have to come from management or workload you can have a very very aware manager a very good corporate um you know culture and you love your job but there'll still be stress in your life um if you're not looking at the environment because there's so many little things that can annoy you and we know this from our own homes we all have things in our homes which stress you out because oh that carpet's curled up at the corner or i've just bumped my leg on the table again or there's so many things that cause those little bits of stress and actually in the workplace we look at mental haze which is just how how much stuff is going on a lot of offices will have a lot of patterns because they want to be you know hip and trendy actually what happens is of course mental haze which is really taxi on the on the person and the other things we think about is is sound and light and you know balance that that all comes together in our sort of concept to understand you know what are we trying to solve and and like i said stress is one of them because it's the biggest killer of of employees you know stress and burnout so what is a well environment to you like what does that Mm look and feel like what are the elements to that you've obviously mentioned some of the things like sound and light but what else is involved in that what's a good example we always say, yeah sure we, we always think of uh, uh we always think of uh, space balance and light effectively how you would define luxury right you used to you used to define lu- luxuries as space and light but we like to talk about space balance light and quality because um you know you, you have to have an environment that works for everyone so an environment that, that I think is, is minimalist and, and stops stress, like you, you, like you asked for, is something that resonates with the mission. So, you know, we're not going to say that minimalism is the same for everyone. You know, white walls, very little on the desks, very little in the workplace. What it means is natural materials, if we can get them, clean lines, and a lot of functionality. I think that, if, in my mind, when you think of minimalism and what we use with our clients is functionality but you know I was gonna say on trend but I hate that phrase (laughs) you know it is it is on trend uh but timeless functionality and this is why we always talk about the invisible aesthetic and ultimate luxury because it's not necessarily the tangibles that we're going for it's we're not going to give you the you know the the super expensive desk because you don't you don't need that you need something that's going to work best for you so it could be anything but it's really the functionality 
and the uh, the cohesion of the space, I think, that creates the power. Mm, I love that. When you said minimalism, immediately I was like thinking not functional. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's, like, it's like there's this conflict inside. When, and then when you said that, that they kind of go hand in hand, that makes sense for me. But I've never thought about it from a design standpoint. So Jonathan, our listeners obviously know that, that you've you've um, aware of there, Freddie, is very much um, ex-military. He's got that mindset. Everything's got its place. Then enter yes. Charlotte is complete opposite. It's almost like chaos in his mind. So bringing those two worlds together is always very interesting when we're in a physical environment and like creating a home and that kind of thing. Um, but the functional element is so important. Like I'm a true believer in organized chaos to some extent. Um, and I think a lot of workspaces are often in chaos and coupled with the things that we mentioned, like deadlines, expectations, culture all of those things in the mix it just creates even more of like a bursting seam that's just waiting to pop open and i think by having that minimalist approach it creates space within those stressful moments and in those stressful invisible experiences that we're all having i wonder if you've noticed that at all when and with the feedback from the clients that you work with yeah, exactly. So, you know, we're very aware that people like to work in different ways. And what we're doing is through our research, proving that overall, if we're going to design a space for, for a lot of people, this is the method to go for to improve what we're talking about, you know, attrition and productivity and, and stress. Um, but space for us stands for something, right? It's some simplicity, placement, association, comfort and energy. That is that is the invisible aesthetic. We need all of those to be ticked to really make a difference. And, you know, like I say there with Jonathan, we know, I know lots of people who, who cannot get work done if there's noise, if there's too much chaos, things aren't in line. They, they build stress very quickly if those things are happening. Yeah. So, um, you know, part of what we do is, is really sitting down and talking to people, understanding, you know, where we're coming from, but also what they want out of a space and then trying to implement that because, you know, it's, 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 hard to stress enough how bespoke something needs to be to an actual company and a set of people. And this is why I mentioned, you know, management strategies. If you're using like an agile methodology in your company, you know, you need teams to be able to really quickly and cohesively get together, collaborate and go back to their spaces and settle down and get the work done. And, you know, a generic office that might've been designed just to look good and impress investors. That's not going to, that won't do that because yeah. you'll be in banks of, of tables. You'll have, uh, you know too much going on and on the other end of the spectrum you know we've got uh, elon musk in the news recently talking about twitter and and we try and think about this as, as a sort of productivity curve right so the companies that i've always worked for and where we take our, our inspiration from they've got it just right where there's so there's a there's a lot of perks to do with wellness and looking after the people but enough environmental factors that i can go away and do you know powerful work quickly what Elon Musk was talking about at Twitter was that, you know, people were going into the office and they were booking sleeping pods. They were going for their special, really special lattes three or four times a day. They're having wine at lunch and having two courses of dinner. Then they're going up, you know, to play tennis at three o'clock. And that is a fantastic environment for people's wellness. But you've got to team that as an employer with that productivity curve because those, those returns diminish at some point, which is why what we do is we have you know a very affordable package which is going to take two or three weeks to implement is incredibly focused and has proven returns we're not going to charge you half a million dirham 
to redo your entire office. You know, we can work at a very affordable pace, you know, very quickly to have those returns back with you within three months because that's what you need. That's not necessarily what you want, but that's what you need. And we can prove that through the, the data. Yeah. And I'm sure if they do have those bigger budgets as well, and they want to throw in a tennis court, you'd be happy to, to assist. And it's so funny you say that because one, one environment that I worked in um, was they they moved into the open plan so it was it was open but then there were it was kind of closed off just enough and then when we moved into the new offices this was here in dubai and um, it was very open and it was so disruptive you would never get anything done it's like where the desks were in like just in walkways and things like that you, but before you sit down to carry on just writing one email you've been trying to write all morning you've had like 15 people come past um, and ask you about 101 different things because they're then waiting as well for somebody else that's going to be back in a minute and they're like sit two seats down. And But then next to that, there's a room for innovation, which was never used for innovation. Um, and it just, it didn't, it wasn't cohesive. And I love that word that you used because that cohesiveness is so important. And it's funny as well, there was another thing that they tried to implement and I, I remember um, somebody on the team was tasked with, bringing in some acupuncture boards for the feet. So when people can like have a break or whatever in the office, they can go and just relax or whatever, but they were right in the middle of a stressful office. It, it just made no sense, no thought. I think the intention was there and the intention was pure, but it just was so uncohesive. <laughs> it just didn't work. Uh, it's, I mean, it's so difficult. It's a great example you, you've got there. And, you know, similarly, we've been into an office recently where you go in and, and think, this is a really nice office. Like we, we, you know, we can do some stuff to make it um, more productive. But it's it's a decent office. I mean, we we just we can see the foibles. And one of the main issues was that it was completely open. Like you like you talk about it, here in Dubai, certainly it's becoming a massive thing. Just open it all up, paint the walls. That and that's good. But actually, like you said earlier, it has to work for the people. And this company had a, a finance team who were incredibly introvert. They they really needed silence to work, and they were sat in the middle of this office. And, you know, you can see their productivity and dropping off and their stress increasing. And as we touched on earlier, people talking about leaving, there was rumors that was happening. And you think, you know, no one has asked them as part of this design process what they need. And I'm not saying that we would bespoke an office for each person because there's a lot of people in the offices we work for. But it's important to have these, these spaces that allow the functionality of the office. Um, so one of the things we did there was, you know, put up a, a glass cubicle in the corner where they could work when they needed to with the, the clickable button where the glass goes completely opaque when necessary. And then you put a bit of sound, uh, sound cladding in the roof to really bring it in and make it uh, you know, a workable place. Not everyone needs that. Must cater for the, for the things that need to be done in the same way as a lot of offices have nowhere to have lunch. You know, we, we don't necessarily need that if there's cafes and stuff nearby, but if you walk into an office and it is purely just banks of open plan desks, yeah. doesn't matter how good your corporate strategy is, People are going to be distracted. They're going to be stressed. They're going to eat at their desk and they're going to burn out. Yep. Yep. Guaranteed. 100%. It's so refreshing to hear your approach to this. So I'm really curious to know if anybody's listening, whether they are running their own companies or and creating their own office environments, or if they are an employee or if they are just working from home and want to enhance their own surroundings, what kind of questions would you ask somebody in that initial kind of introductory discovery process 
in order to be able to then prescribe, if you like, what it is they need? What kind of things could they ask themselves? So one of the first things I'd ask myself is, what stresses you out? You know, keep a diary, like a food diary for a week or two weeks. And just when you get you know, a bit tetchy, a bit upset or stressed, anything that you can perceive as stress, maybe even ask a colleague or, you know, a partner, whoever you're with a lot of the time, when I'm getting stressed, can you just tell me because I need to write it down? Because sometimes you don't recognize your own stress. And just look back at what is causing that, because what we want to know is what is causing your problems. You know, if it's an, if it's an employer, we could talk about what I'd love to know your, your management styles, you know, the way that you manage the team, the, the methodologies that you are using, and obviously your mission, um, because that really drives the conversation forward for us. We know roughly um, where they're going. We want to know, are they on the same picture as us? Um, but, but really as an employee and as someone who's, well, maybe someone who's working from home, Maybe, maybe you're working at the kitchen table. Just keep a diary because it might, you might find things that, you know, someone walks past, bumps your desk two times a day and that really gets to you. You didn't realize, or, you know, the washing machine in the background is just giving you slightly too much stimulation in your mind. One of the most common things we can, we can do um, is clear the desk. Literally clear your desk and work at a screen where you're ergonomically sat. So, you know, have your screen at eye level right in the center or, Something like that, which your corporate company or, you know, you know, you should already have sorted, but a lot of people don't. Clear your desk and see if that makes a difference. People love to have pictures of family and calendars and they can, your desk becomes so cluttered so quickly. And that will affect you because you'll start to, you know, I'm using my hands, which no one can really see, but your field of vision will start to come in as you try and block out that haze around you. If you just open it up, you'll feel that tension be, uh, be relieved from your mind and I think that's a, a great start and those are the kind of questions that we just, we just touch on as part of that introductory session yeah great ideas great ideas and clearly it just it's, it's the it's the catalyst isn't it for them the things that they need to change and it immediately becomes very personalized whether that's a workplace or whether it's an individual one mm. thing that you obviously mentioned earlier was space right and the e for space we probably won't jump into all of them but the e was energy right yes Tell me more about energy because like mental haze and stress it is a massive power leak <laughs> and we can't have maximal optimal energy if we are wasting energy elsewhere. So tell me more about that. The energy is almost exactly what you touch on there, but the way we like to think about it is a combination of things. So energy in a workplace, it could come from, you know, the most energetic person in the room. It could come from, you know, coffee. There's those energy sources but it can be leaked out through the day through stress. And so one of the most key factors we look at is just the path that energy can travel through the room. So from the entrance to the windows to the desk layout, how can you actually move through that room? That is a, that's a really clear energy source. In the same way that a collaborative office where it's more, more open and you can see across, that can be good because it, you know sometimes it can spread the energy in, a, in, a, in exactly the same sense. It can deplete energy. Yeah. And so for us, it's really... The energy and the flow is how it's set up to really try and maximize the, the productivity that you have, the inspiration that you have without that stressful leak. Um, so, you know, for me, there's nothing worse than having so many things in an office that you're sort of, you know, nudging past or squeezing through or in the same way, um, desks or chairs or whatever it might be that don't quite work. And they just take a little bit extra to do things because... It just, it just grains on you. And why would you not have an office? You know, if you're the architect of your environment, why would you not set it up for pure success, pure performance, 
You know, if you've got 50, 100 employees, that is, that is a vast bill that you have at the end of the month. And you want people to be as efficient as possible and as happy as possible and productive. But that comes through you know, as, a, as a factor of space, the energy that they're able to expend. Yeah. And it's conscious leadership, isn't it? That is absolutely essential to this because I think for a long time, environment has been a very unconscious thing. You just accept where you work and that's it. Um, and same goes for, for leaders that are creating these environments. But I think what's been quite interesting is obviously through the pandemic, you, you hear stories of people sit, sitting in their wardrobes just to get that kind of ability to be able to close the door from their kids whilst they jump on a Zoom call and things like that. So I think we started to experience the extremes that this is really coming to the forefront. So give me some hope here, uh, Freddie. Are we becoming more conscious of our environments? Is that what you're seeing real time with the companies you're working with and with the individuals? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, you touched on it there. You know, someone has to be aware of what's going on to make a difference. And that's the same mean across so many things in this world. And what we're seeing is more and more interest in keeping people happy. I think one of the one of the um, the main aims for Dubai or the UAE over the next five to ten years is employee and, and personal health and well-being in the country. Um, and we absolutely we're seeing that. You know, more and more people are interested in what we're talking about, in what anyone to do with corporate wellness is talking about because. You know, I shared the other day uh, a picture of an iceberg that I sort of made into a graphic where, you know, the top 30% is employee wellness in the, in the work environment, but the bottom 70% is employee wellness outside. And that sort of defines the time you spend in the office versus outside the office. And, you know, there's a real combination there. We have to touch on all of these things to, to really improve what's going on here, but also in the UK, of course. So we also do work in the UK um, and... I think they're, you know, they're slight, they are slightly ahead there. They're, there's a lot more, um, there is a lot more being done. I, I don't think we're very far behind here. Um, and maybe in the UK, it's more of a tick box exercise, but I, I'm not sure. Um, but certainly the conversations we're having are with people that are really looking, looking towards making an actual difference. They actually want us to measure, you know, the difference that we're making. And we're happy to show the, the past um, data we have and what we're working on and the, the research we're doing because we you know we can prove what's happening and that's that's good to see if yeah. someone just wants you to come in and change an office that could be a tick box that could be you know we just need it to look good for an investor we are really really keen on working with people who have an actual vision and they already have a budget and a spend on their people because that that means we can make a true difference yeah, it's long-term strategy, isn't it? And that real yeah. sense of care behind the decision-making process. And I think, you know, like we said at the beginning, like it's becoming more and more important to employees to work for companies that care, right? One of the main reasons we experience so much burnout is one of those factors is not feeling cared for, seen or heard, right? So if you genuinely feel like your employer is making strategic training, uh, changes, then you you can say actually, do you know what? The chances of all the other elements of this business are probably just equally as thought out as well. And you can actually lead into that company with with trust. And that is another critical piece to burnout, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's so many companies, well, there's there is there is a lot of companies here that are doing great work, you know. It's the stuff you're doing, it's making an actual difference. People are actually changing based on what you're doing. And that's what that's what we're doing as well, because that's what we want to see. We want to improve 
you know, the UAE as a, as a whole, the people here, for, for a long time, they've had this persona that, you know, potentially there's a lot of money and the lifestyle is, is good. But, you know, you're going to burn out quickly because it's hard work. But actually, you know, we can make this into a, a long term thing and, we are, and it's happening. Um, someone I met not long ago came here from a, a really good role in the energy industry in the UK. Um, we're drawn here by the lifestyle and by, you know, the money. And six months in, they left the company and started their own because they were so unhappy in the environment they were, they were, they were found or they found themselves in yeah. that they, they've, they've changed their, their tune and their, their passage, their path. And so it's important to touch on the cost of not looking after your employees, you know, or looking after yourself. If you, if you, know, if you are an employee, you know, there is a cost to looking, to not looking after yourself. You know, we, we, there's so much data behind if you don't look after your, your mental health and your physical health, you will cost more in the future to, you know, in the UK, NHS, or here, you know, your healthcare, your insurer, and to a company, the loss in productivity. I think in the US last year, oh, it was multiple billion. It was a lot. I've not got the stats uh, with me, but, you know, lost productivity is, is a billion-dollar industry for sure in the US alone, and it won't be far behind here. Um, it's really, really something that people are, are really jumping on. Yeah, definitely. And you can see it happening. You can feel it happening. There's an energy here. And I think it's so easy now here to go and explore other options that it's almost strong arming bigger companies to take action and to think more deeply about it, which is a great thing because it's we we can all rise together then rather than it being, okay, I'm upset, so I'm going to leave and just do my own thing. It's uh, actually, do you know what? We can bring best of both worlds here. We'll just listen to each other and actually create this together. And I, th- I think you're absolutely right in what you're saying. It's, there's massive opportunity from a productivity standpoint, performance, that statistic that I shared at the beginning from the Cigna survey, if you look at that four out of five people actually left that said they were going to, if you look at that as an organization, you're looking at like, that's 40% of your workforce have pulled the trigger and resigned because they were not happy in their workplace. And if I'm a leader, 40% of my team are saying that they're going, oh my God, I'd be heartbroken that I didn't do a better job. And I would immediately be addressing that like in an instant. And it's 10 times more expensive to hire someone new than to retain. So you can imagine the bill that they're receiving there. Yeah, it's, um, it's you know, it's, I don't like looking at it from a monetary point of view because, you know, I actually generally want people to be better in themselves, but, you know, inherently you have to. And if it's that much money, you know, it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. And, and really do, deep, deeply diving into what's going to make a difference and putting the right people together to say, these people complement these people complement these people in terms of training, environments, that kind of thing. That is where there is, you know, some some true power. And it's so interesting to watch, as you say, because it's only going one way and, and that's that's up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the reasons why we are leaning a lot more heavily now into uh, the corporate strategy that we have with wellness theory and the clients that we're working with and the level of what we're working with now. Because we worked for a long time. I experienced burnout in a corporate work environment. That led me on my own journey mentally emotionally physically that then led me into creating wellness theory um obviously with jonathan and then from there like we've been coaching people one-on-one we've been coaching groups we've been in corporates we've been there boots on the ground listening and observing and seeing what's happening and it's all really good work 
it's a little bit too downstream <laughs> if we're really going to solve the problem. You know, we've worked with so many incredible clients one-on-one and sometimes we really wish that we could have helped the organization to not get this person to this point as much as we loved working with our clients if we could have prevented them from ever needing us in the first place that would be even better i mean we'd have to find another career um, but ultimately we need to go upstream and we need to start looking at an organizational level like you said, working with the right people that are complementing every angle because there are so many touch points and employees deserve it. Leaders deserve it. They deserve to work in a place that is going to amplify what they're what they're doing. And we truly believe and our mission here is literally is when people are healthy and well, they can be a force for good in the world. So if we now have even stronger teams and even stronger leaders that are not wasting energy on things that is unnecessary when you really think about it imagine what the world looks like imagine the solutions we're coming up with for some of the world's biggest problems you know it's, it's so possible absolutely i mean like you say getting in there at the, the source of the problem the root cause you know, that is that is where you can make the most impact i completely agree and it's interesting because you know i think distraction is something that we talk about quite a lot in our you know, the journey when we talk to, to corporates and we're talking about or pitching what we want to talk to them about. And it's because I think there is so many distractions when you're talking about corporates and there are so many ways that people are being pulled, you know, as a, a head of HR, head of talent, um, you know, these kind of these kind of roles that are really, you know, given the, 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 the job of making a difference, keeping people and keeping the costs down in terms of the HR budget. There are so many distractions and so many things that they are being pulled towards with, you know, trying to make a difference. And it's really important with our mission here just to, to get in front of as many people as possible and share our results because the results speak for themselves. And, you know, we're looking at long-term fixes. I don't want to redo someone's office in two years' time. I want it to work long-term and then say to us, we haven't had anyone quit in the last 18 months because they actually like working with here and you've given us motivation and driving guidance to improve our corporate culture. That's that's really the power and stopping those distractions or getting in first. I think that's one of the things that we can really uh, make the job easier of someone who is tasked with with this bigger mission. Absolutely. So, Freddie, on that, with the results, obviously, you've touched on some of the results that companies are seeing and the impact that's having on employees sticking around and their happiness in the workplace. What is like maybe one of the best examples you've got of somebody that you've worked with where you've gone in, you've worked your magic. What is the data? What is the the proof in the pudding for what it is you're delivering? So, you know, we, we can do a two or three week turnaround because what we're doing is we have, we have people that are able to make these changes very, very quickly. Once we've consulted, once we've understood the problem, put our proposal forward and, and we want to make a difference. It's very quick. And so what we're able to show from, you know, the latest stats is that we improved in the first three months, it productivity by 10%. We decreased stress by 15% and employee attrition was reduced by 20%. You know, that, that's, an, that's an average. And I think that's pretty good. You know, if you think about the, the cost of what we charge and we work with, you know, companies that are making over 100K uh, dirhams a month, that is, that's quite quick. You know, three or four months, you've made your money back because the stats show that's going to make a difference. And what we really want to do is prove that for, you know, six months, nine months, 12 months, two years, 
And that's what we do is we really follow up with people. We don't just drop them and go, that's it, you're done. We really want to support them through this. So we always open our, you know, our lines to people that have had our, our services because you know, the more data we have over time to prove what we're doing, the better for everyone. You know, we, we have more you know, past data to, to say, this is the solution. Stop spending your money. You know, some offices here are you know, over a million dirham for a brand new office you know, to, to get it redesigned from scratch. And that's a lot of money you could put on onto other things to grow the business or to look after people in a different way. Um, so yeah, I mean, for us, those stats speak for themselves. The return is massive and people are happier. Yeah. And how are you measuring those stats with the companies? So we, we'd have to do a baseline before we start. So we would say to them, what is your what is your turnover? What is your profit? And if they're happy to share, which they usually are because it's, it's not often a secret, um, we can work it back through that in terms of productivity, um, in terms of employee attrition, also very simple. Um, we don't actually put employee attrition saved profit into, our, into that budget. So that productivity is solely on what they would sell or whatever they're doing. Um, but obviously there's also a saving in employee attrition if they're staying longer. Uh, and in terms of stress, usually we work with companies that already have employee engagement surveys. And that's one of the factors that we would ask straight away to say, are you actually on this well-being mission with us? Yeah. Do you measure your employee engagement? Because yeah. one of the basic things you can do is put in a free employee engagement survey once a quarter and understand where your employees are. So we'd use the data they already have and fine tune it to what we're looking at to, to have that, uh, that scrutiny in the data. Nice. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to ask you that is because anybody listening here, sometimes they receive those like employee engagement surveys in their inbox and they're just like, oh, I'm not going to bother filling it out or it's just another tick box. They don't really care. And obviously that behavior shows in the results of their engagement anyway. But I think often employees will honestly put their hand up and say they don't feel like they're being seen or heard but then when they get the opportunity to <laughs> they don't and I think sometimes that's also a challenge that leadership faces in giving them the kind of results and support that they need so I think like you said really well earlier is every employee does have a voice and it's important to use that because I hope that any listeners that are working for other people are recognizing that actually there are teams within your company that are trying <laughs> on the most part whether they're getting it perfect or not will be each to their own but there are individuals within that company that are seeking out people like freddie seeking out people like us to see how they can help so playing your role of stepping up and speaking up we will make a massive difference and start to reduce your own stress levels can't emphasize that enough so freddie i have to ask you since you're the environment guy What's your <laughs> workspace and like personal space like? Is there any discrepancy? I know you say like minimalist in terms of nothing on the desk and lighting and all that kind of stuff at work, but is there a discrepancy between like your personal, like your home, for example? Well, our home is fairly similar. And like we touched on earlier, when I say minimalist, I don't mean on the floor and look at a wall. It just has a massive Scandinavian influence in what we do. Um, so we like, like I said earlier, natural materials, we like neutral colors, um, but part of the Lagum philosophy, which is a Swedish philosophy, you can look at, there's a great book on it as well, um, is about having things that that you can cherish. So, you know, we're not ones to go out and just fill our desk with trinkets, not necessarily a desk, but, you know, the living room, the, the wherever, the kitchen with trinkets. We like to have um, things that are actually meaningful and we could potentially pass down. 
one of the things I've always said, which is even not in business, is just in life, is buy it once, buy it right. Like I was always told that when we were first, you know, buying our first house, buy something once. I know it's more expensive and it's so annoying to buy that now, but it will last longer and it will cause you less stress. So that's really our philosophy. We look for things that are going to improve what we do. So like I said, along the lines of uh, less is more, those, that, that nice color palette, which you know we like, which is those beiges, those neutral colors, those natural, those natural colors. Um, there is white. I mean, a wall, we'd always paint a wall white, to be honest, because it makes things feel bigger, fresher, cleaner. I really like that. We're really big on lights. One of the things I always talk about, if, if I if I can, I'll have a view. Um, I really like to be sort of grounded if possible. So if you can see water or I really like woodlands and forests, that kind of stuff. So we're lucky enough here to have outside banana trees, palm trees, you know, really old uh, acacia. I think they're acacia. I could be wrong. Um, and that really for me is important. So the, the, inter the inside experience is relatively similar to what we talk about in in what we work we really do live what we live and breathe what we talk about and, and sell i guess um but there's so much more to it it's you know the community the, the the view if you possibly can have a view um and yeah that's sort of that's all how we do it that works for us nice i love that we're very much the same in we will and i think we learned it the hard way it wasn't instilled in us when we were younger it's like buying it once and buying it right no we learned the <laughs> opposite way it's like no just get what you need now and like that's it kind of thing but obviously okay. over time you learn <laughs> um and so like we're the same in terms of that more natural environment so it's been really interesting moving from thailand back to the uae because when we left the uae first time around one of the things we missed so much was nature um, and just being around greenery and being able to go and immerse yourself in a forest like we really was like yearning for that we were very fortunate because we were living right on the water um when we left the UAE but then in Thailand it was like a whole different ball game in terms of like literally walking out of where we stay like feet on the on the sand immediately like straight into the ocean and it was so nice however when it come to productivity, <laughs> it didn't help us. We felt good, like we felt healthy, we felt like refreshed and recharged. But in terms of productivity and like performance, I would say, it actually had the opposite effect. So I know, and I'm saying this because they're not, a lot of our listeners obviously have know our journey and where we've kind of been over the last kind of number of years. And we hear back from so many people like why would you leave living on a an island and like living right on the beach and it's like because environment does dictate performance like you said at the beginning and I think you have to do a bit of a self-audit you have to have a level of self-awareness of what you need in your environment otherwise you end up keeping a stress diary because <laughs> you're yeah. it, right? and you're trying to figure it out so uh, it's the, huge the power. power yeah the power of, of being able to internally understand what's happening that is so much harder to do than you think really like like saying just your example there that's so cool that you could say this is amazing we'll probably live longer if we stay here because we're so relaxed but we're not getting stuff done with the business you know we want to make a difference what a mission that kind of thing so yeah i completely agree which is exactly why i have my desk not pointing at the window it's like in front of the so the side of the window and if I turn to my right and really strain, it's to, sort of to the side of me. But actually, I'm not staring outside all day because going back to distraction, that is it's a massive killer of, of productivity and, and that kind of thing. And just touching on, you know, biophilic design, that is again something that we like to bring into what 
So both of us have got plants behind them. There's obviously um, benefits in terms of oxygen and that kind of thing. But for us um, and for people that we work with, it's more than that. It's that connection, isn't it? It's that, I mean, do you know what? Grounding is really big in Dubai at the moment. It's, people it's wanting to feel everywhere, everywhere <laughs> yeah. exactly yeah so being really connected to nature and yeah so an office with uh, a few plants in there or a home as long as you can keep them alive and it doesn't add stress because that is a massive factor like they can really easily add stress um it, they are powerful in the same way that water is if you can see water from your window you're going to be you're going to be um more relaxed and actually i think there's a study we saw recently where your heart rate is actually supposed to be lower if you can see water daily and that that's that's really nice and one of the things um with biophilic design that we did there's a really good company here that they have trees that you sort of suspend in offices so you can have them upright or on their sides it's really quirky they're really cool trees and the company looks after them so once a week they'll come in and tend to them it's not ridiculously expensive it's not for everyone but you get that grounding of nature it's a bit quirky so it's kind of an art no stress because they look after it that I think is a really cool solution to, you know, a ground near a connection with nature problem in a workspace because, you know, it's so, it's so powerful. 100%. There's so much data around the water. I think it was something like the life expectancy um, improves by like five to six years if you see water every day. Um, and in terms of grounding, so this is something we talk about in one of our Kickstarter programs, um, is the amount it reduces inflammation in your body. Um, and when you're actually connected to nature so it's one thing being in its environment so we like we, we're a bit geeky when it comes to like biohacking certain things so we have like grounding sheets on the bed and things like that and it makes such a difference for clients that work in like big office towers in Dubai or and Abu Dhabi actually um or from home and live in a big apartment buildings and don't really have access to a park or to grass is we recommend that they do get and invest in a grounding mat. They're not that expensive, um, but it's something that they, you literally plug it into the wall. Obviously it doesn't go through the electrical system per se. It goes through the earthing wires down to the ground and it will literally start to just bring you into physical connection. And it, it just makes such a difference to your stress levels and that mental haze that you describe. Yeah really reduces drastically and um, sleep improves by having a grounding um, sheet on your bed and grounding pillowcases and things like that so there's so much great technology now that can really help us to hack our environment so that we can have that higher performance and it's and it's so so good Freddie to have you on the show today to speak about this and to bring awareness to it because like I said we're on 100 and something episodes now and we've never had somebody come on and speak about this in this way in a relatable way that people can actually think oh okay maybe I need to pay a bit of attention to this specifically in my everyday life because it's it's essential and I think it's the future so I think that you're onto something here good I'm glad I mean it's <laughs> it's, it's cool to, to talk about it from a way that you know I'm not a designer. I've just seen a lot of people and a lot of businesses in the corporate world in massively high stress situations. And actually through all of that, the, the one thing that I could see was solving that problem was the environment. So to then be lucky enough to have a fiance who's, you know, award winning in that field, it is, it's such a cool way to, to really establish here and to, to make a difference in a problem that there's a, we have a lot of passion for. And, you know, people like you, a lot of people have that, drive to make a difference and it's uh, uh yeah it's really cool it's really wholesome and i'm, I'm yeah i'm really glad 
Mm. So listen, Freddie, there's one more question I'd like to ask you around this, which is if you had to only give one piece of advice to somebody to make their environment healthier, what would it be? So you already mentioned like the stress diary. And so not necessarily in a workplace now, it can be, doesn't have to be, but how could somebody make their environment healthier? What's like one quick win somebody could immediately go away and do now? Don't even do the audit. Like I was talking about, don't keep the stress diary. Don't do an audit of what you think you should do. Just take some stuff out. Go into your bedroom, for example. Bedroom is a great place to start because it's not where you would you would normally go. You normally go to the kitchen and take your toasty machine off the side or whatever. You know that might make you a bit less stressed. But actually, the kitchen can be a stressful place, especially if, if I'm cooking. Um, or the living room. You know that's another place we will often go to. No, go to your bedroom, look at look around, and just take stuff out, put it in a cupboard, put it under the stairs, live with it throughout a month, and and see what happens. Just mm-hmm. it's such a simple thing. Do a different room after that if you'd like to see what you actually need to put back just reducing the amount of trinkets and things we have around is the quickest way to decrease stress in our environment so interesting that you say that so john and i obviously we've kind of been moving around it feels like for the last few years even though we've been in places like for at least a year at a time we often have been to places that are furnished and things so we're like living out of our backpacks essentially or out of a suitcase and it was funny when we said, oh, no, we're definitely coming back to the UAE. Obviously, we still got a place in Thailand, but we are obviously got kind of um, staying here for a while now. And it was like, what are you going to do about your furniture and things like that? It's like, it's not ours. We're not attached to the furniture. Like, that's fine. Like, literally, we left. We had one suitcase each, one backpack each. The suitcase was full of books, like both of the suitcases and everything else was like the, the essentials. And it's actually really lovely to do that um, bit of a cull of, of your stuff and to go through, like you said, and just remove things. Um, so yeah, I echo that just because it's recent on top of my mind as to kind of how we felt doing that. It's hugely yeah. powerful. Hugely Actually, powerful. it's one of those things that is, people go, oh, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. And maybe it's easy for me because Dubai is a transient place. So you have to leave to come, most people have to leave yeah. to come here and leave to go back, you know, in your example there, it's very similar. but actually you know when we left the uk you know we sold the house we got rid of all the all the stuff there and you get rid of things that you didn't realize you even had you haven't used for three years and you you probably will find the stuff where you're like whoa i forgot i had that that has sentimental value i want to use that more whatever it is that comes to the forefront of your mind because you have you know memories and, and you know passions with it i guess um and yeah it's it's incredibly powerful and i think in the in the uk certainly the loft or like just the spare room Wherever there's a big pile of stuff, if you have time, go through it. Get rid of that stuff because you know it's there. Get rid of the stuff you don't need. Keep the stuff you're going to use in the next six months. Actually, a bit longer than that because of Christmas. If you celebrate Christmas, yeah, you want to keep some of that stuff. But I think it's really a really powerful win. And then it will remind you not to spend money on things that you don't need that aren't going to last and don't add value to you. Yeah, I've got I've got a friend. This has just popped into my mind as you're speaking there. Who I won't say her name. But she'll know who she is when she listens to it. Um, <laughs> she's <laughs> literally got. I'm not going to name her name. She's literally <laughs> got um like cupboards, ensuite bathrooms in her house that are just filled full of boxes. They can't even. They don't even use the bathroom anymore. It's just full of stuff. Like I really want to just go around there and like fix it for her and like have it sort out. Um. 
but she's got to move house soon, so she's going to have to go through that process. Yeah, yeah. Interesting to see. But That's I like think- we touched on earlier. Like we touched on earlier, like that, it might not affect her. She might be like absolutely happy with that, and that's the way she works, and that's fine. But she'll never know unless she tries exactly. taking that stuff away, right? Exactly. And I think it's going to be interesting to see that response. So I'll come back to you on that. I'll let our listeners know as well. Yeah. She's <laughs> like, oh, that a nervous breakdown because she's got rid of all of this stuff. Um, <laughs> no, I'm sure it will be like a weight being lifted, um, no doubt. So, yeah. Freddie. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Is there anything else you feel like our listeners need to hear before we wrap up? It's been a pleasure coming on. One of the things I think is also important to do if you're thinking about your home life and you're thinking about making a change is just try and understand which design style fits with you because you know we talked a lot about the corporate world and how we can make changes to workspaces and stuff. That's our forte. Um, but in the past, we've done you know other kinds of, of roles and we're not so much into that now. But what we always find is that defining your design style in the same way that a management style has a massive impact on people, it will have an impact on you. And there's so many, there's too many to mention, but we know the, the main ones, contemporary minimalism, it's, you know, that kind of thing. Have a, have a, a look at, at which one resonates with you and what you're currently doing. And there's many quizzes online. I think we've got a quiz you can take on the website. It's just interesting to understand which one resonates with you if you're looking at making a change in your home because the stuff we're talking about is very literal. Yep. There's also the sort of creative side, which is equally as interesting when you're looking at doing you know, a home or whatever kind of project you're on. Mm, definitely. And you do have a quiz on your website, um, the, design, oh, you the design persona quiz. So I'm going to put that link into the show notes. So anyone who's watching this can go ahead and do that. I'm going to go and do that. And so I'm curious, especially now we're getting our new place as well. So it's like, perfect time. <laughs> um, so I love it. Thank you so much, Freddie. Thank you for joining us today. Keep up the incredible work that you're doing. And I'm looking forward to coming to see you in person, in real life, um, outside of Zoom very, very soon. Thank you for having me. We're looking forward to that as well.